week. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 1 through 3. And so we're going to continue this discussion of what does it mean to be holy and how do we begin to live that out because Peter then takes it the next step here. So first thing I want to ask you is when was the last time you made chocolate milk? I don't know if you like chocolate milk, but most kids, maybe you weren't that kid that loved chocolate milk, but fill in your blank with something else you loved to make as a kid, but you no longer drink. Uh, chocolate milk is one of those things as a kid that I think we just crave. We're like, oh, it's like milk, but sweet and delicious and good. And sometimes as we get older, we forget the goodness of chocolate milk. I think there's a lot of things that we forget the goodness of because Either we've somehow rationalized it that it's not healthy for us or figured out that maybe really it isn't that good. But, um, but sometimes we forget the goodness and the joy of just like making chocolate milk and drinking it and how amazing that is. Um, I want to make the connection here that I think some of the things that we discover about who God is, we forget. And what Peter does here is he draws us back to these good truths about who God is that sometimes we forget as we get older, as we get more mature in our faith. And I would argue maybe it's not our maturity, maybe it's our, maybe our selfishness that gets in the way and keeps us from experiencing truly that goodness that we once discovered and encountered early on in our faith. So 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 through 3, here we go. Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Everything that basically keeps you from God, let's get rid of those things, those things that are destructive. Verse two, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So in that last line, he says, the Lord is good. Taste that the Lord is good. You've once tasted that the Lord is good. And I weekly have a ritual where me and my kids, we go and get donuts on Wednesday morning because it's late start. So we go to a local donut shop that's down here on Coast Highway here in South Oceanside. And we go and we get a donut because they are tasty. And when we get that donut right there at the cashier, stand there is a giant refrigerator that has drinks in it. It's got orange juice, it's got sodas, it's got water, and it has chocolate milk. And I know that when my kids have the option of getting drinks, a lot of times I'm trying to get them just to get a milk, just standard milk, because it's got less sugar. And in my mind, you're already having a donut. You don't need more sugar. So the chocolate milk, that's just next level, right? We can't be doing that. But I see the joy on their face when they're like, can we get a chocolate milk? please. And I just, I do it anyways, right? So confession, teachers, forgive me for this. They get the chocolate milk and the donut sometimes. And, um, and they love it. Like I just, the joy and the excitement of the chocolate milk. I've forgotten about that. I've forgotten what it's like to be a kid and go chocolate milk. It's, it's pretty tasty, right? So, um, they go to school hopped up on sugar on Wednesdays and I'm okay with it, kind of. Sorry, teachers, again. Um, but that they taste the goodness, right? And they know, and they'll probably remember that for a long time. But the reference we see here in Peter is 
taste that goodness, be reminded of that goodness that you once experienced. And as adults, we forget about that. I've forgotten how good chocolate milk is. We forget the goodness of God at times. And what he's doing is saying, let's go back to that goodness. Go back to how great that is and how tasty it is. And, um, and just to, to kind of reiterate this, this idea that, um, that Peter would be very familiar with, um, growing up in first century Jewish life, a kid would grow up reading Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. To them, it was the Testament. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They would memorize all of them by age 12. Memorize. Like we have a couple verses memorized. They have the whole thing memorized. And one of the things that they would do is they would give them a little dab of honey on the tip of their finger as they're reading scripture. Eating scripture? Yeah, they'd be eating scripture while they're reading scripture. They'd be tasting it and tasting the sweetness. Check this out in Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. The psalmist is describing the, the tastiness, the goodness of scripture to our body, to our lives. Psalm 119.43, it goes on and this, this Psalm 119 is all about like how good God's rules, God's law is. And I know that we hear that and we hear rules and laws and we cringe and we're like, I don't want rules and laws. Those things destroy my life. They're trying to keep me down. What a believer understands as we read scripture is that the father knows best that the rules, the commands, the laws, all those things, those directions are all to bring life and life to the full. Psalm 119.43 says, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. So the word of truth meaning all these good things that are true, that are noble, that are the way that we are designed to live. And it goes on and says, for my hope is in your rules. I can't say that we daily are gonna choose rules and choose those rules. But we know daily what is good for us. I believe we do. But I believe we choose the temporary and the immediate gratification. And that's why I eat donuts. Right? Like I go back to donuts because I like the temporary immediate gratification. I know that hours later I want to take a nap. Right? But I still choose it. And I think that scripture, God's truths, the rules, the laws, the directives, all point towards this life to the full. And we know it. We just want the immediate gratification. We just want the now. The, I, want th- I want things easy, temporary, at best, right? Right now. And it just, it keeps us, it starves us from the goodness that God invites us into. Peter tasted that goodness. He understood it. And I want to use this encounter that Peter had with Jesus to begin to unpack this a little bit further. So we're going to look at this story called the transfiguration and uh, I'm going to read it here in Matthew 17. You can look it up if you want to. It'll be on the screen. Um, If you want to go and read this throughout the week and just be reminded of this goodness, I would encourage you to do so. But Peter learned a lesson in this situation. So check this out. Matthew 17, starting out, verse 1. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. 
and he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with them, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will take I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. We're gonna set up camp here. He was still speaking when behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. So a couple observations right off the bat. Jesus transfigured, shining brightly. Peter, out of response of worship, is just like, whoa, this is amazing. And just starts rambling, just starts talking. Like, We're going to build tents. We're going to set up camp here. we got to celebrate. He's just talking away. And the first response is God starts speaking right over him. Notice this. He says, while he was still talking. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Like, while he's still talking, God's like, mm-hmm. Let's chill out, Peter. Like, I get your excitement. I get you freaking out. I get you, like, see God's goodness fully right now. But chill out. Like, just relax a little bit here and recognize, like, who, what is happening and who Jesus is. And you don't need to freak out. You don't need to do all kinds of stuff. You just need to worship and just bow at his feet in this moment. This response, this mountaintop response that Peter has... I believe shaped his faith because he understood the goodness of God in that moment. He saw who Jesus fully was. He saw that he was fully God, fully divine, fully holy, like saw the whole thing. It's fully revealed that Jesus wasn't just another human being, not just another great teacher, not just some guy walking around in sandals that was transforming lives a little bit here and there. It was full. This is God. And so he has this like this happy response, this like, sense of like this relationship is good i'm so grateful to be here in your presence and it's just extreme joy i believe that's the response we often have in encountering jesus for the first time i know that was my response when i first encountered this story about who jesus was and i began to really discover this like this beautiful call to Surrender life and learn how to live life the way Jesus invites us into and it was just like it was mind-blowing to me like that transformation that That invitation to this life with him is, is amazing that God would be here with us and want to have this kind of relationship with us That's personal and interactive and beautiful, but enough about me when I was um, When I was early on in my leadership this isn't about me. This is about students. Um, I would watch students as we would take them on retreat to camps. Um, we would go up to Big Bear and have these mountaintop experiences where it's amazing worship. You're away from your weekly, daily struggles, uh, challenges, and you're kind of removed from all of that. You have this mountaintop experience where you're worshiping together. You're with like-minded people. You're studying scripture. You're just encountering God in beautiful ways. And, um, and I would see students just get completely transformed. Like 
fully surrendering their lives, like worshiping like they've never worshiped before, encountering God in these ways that they've never seen before, and just experiencing joy, and then coming back off that mountaintop and, and kind of getting back into the routine of life and just forgetting all about it. Forgetting the ta- the, how tasty the goodness of God was. And my cynical mind often would say, well, that's just because it was a mountaintop experience. That's just because we created an environment where it was good for them to encounter God. But I would say that um, and, and some would also add that like there's a, a level of maybe immaturity to that. That like you're just encountering God because of the environment, because of the worship, because of the scripture, because of people that you're around that are all like-minded. Um, but here's my pushback, and here's what I've learned over the years is that that starting point of goodness in relationship to God is beautiful, amazing, the way it's designed to be, the same way that Peter encountered Jesus and God in all of his fullness in that moment on the transfiguration. And had he stayed in that place where he just kept rambling and talking, that would have been immaturity. But he moved from, wow, this is amazing, this is good, to let let me be obedient in my life, in my daily walk with you, right? Sure, Peter failed and stumbled at times, and that's why we're reading about his life and we're studying his life, but he also created a maturity to where there wasn't such a, an undulation, a high and a low between his, his great highs and experiencing God and his great lows of uh, rejecting God and, and, and turning from him and being disobedient. The highs and the lows began to level out But I think, and that's great, that's maturity. Because we would say that immaturity would be that if you stay at that place of like, I only encounter God when I'm on the mountaintop, when I'm experiencing joy, when everything's going as it's created to be. The relationships are all good and everything. But then when we get into the challenges, maturity says that we're gonna continue to be obedient, not only in the great mountaintop experiences, but also when we get back down in the valley, when things are challenging, when life is difficult with our family, when life is difficult with our neighbors, coworkers, whatever it is, even our own self-destructive um, patterns that sometimes we step into. Maturity says that we're gonna continue to be obedient and we're gonna continue to step in, be reminded of that goodness. But then, as he says in the very beginning, we're gonna get away from the destructive patterns that he listed out here deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. He lists off all these things that are destructive, that are just, they're not good for us. And he goes on and then he says, let's crave this spiritual milk that is good, that helps us understand um, and grow in our salvation. My kids get to eat a lot of delicious fish (laughs) because I love to fish. Um, And there's times where they go, we're having fish again for dinner. And it's like, it's, they love fish. They really enjoy it. It's, it's crazy. Like I, it's always been my prayer and my hope that they would enjoy it and that they would like fish. Um, but there's times where they're like, again, do we have to have fish? And it's like, they've had this greatness so often. This isn't a brag on myself. This is just like what they're experiencing. Um, and in the back of my mind, I say, you don't know, I'm thinking like, how, you don't know how good you have it. You don't know how great it is. And I think sometimes we, we have that same tendency to forget the goodness that exists in our lives, the goodness of God and the invitation to this new life and this goodness of joy 
of peace, of contentment that is found in that relationship with God. And we forget it because we're so inundated sometimes with the goodness um, or that we're around so much um, that we forget it. My prayer is that you wouldn't forget, that you'd be reminded that you've tasted the goodness. And if this is new to you, I'd invite you to explore this goodness, begin to see what it's like as you begin to open your life to God and what he's doing. Again, going back to the very first line, Peter says, rid yourselves of these destructive patterns. So we rid ourselves of these things because we know that they are damaging to us and we begin to meditate on the word of God. We begin to surrender life to the truth, to the word of God. Um, craving spiritual milk, as he says. And, uh, and again, I just want to say that this isn't something that we're forced to do. The Christian faith is never something that you are forced to do. That would be a cult. That would be religiosity. We are invited. We're invited because it's good. A cult says you have to do things our way, a certain way, at a certain time, in a certain place with a certain group of people. What Jesus says is, I invite you to experience this new life. It's an invitation. Taste that it's good. If it doesn't taste good, then I would say don't do it. But millions of us around the world have tasted it and seen the goodness of God and experienced it. And the Holy Spirit continually invites us into that and we continually experience that and, and, and we step into it. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we forget the tastiness. The chocolate milk is amazing. We forget sometimes. Let's go back to it. Let's remind ourselves of that tastiness and leave those destructive patterns behind. I want to close with this action action step. Um, Peter invites them to crave that spiritual milk. And I would ask us to uh, really reflect on that portion of it this week. Um, that we want to crave this, that we want to desire it, that we're not forced to do this, as I just said, but we're invited into this. And, and I would just challenge you to think, do you crave the spiritual milk that God invites us into? Do you crave the holiness of God in your life? Do you crave the life that Jesus invites us into? And um, this is not something new. Hebrews talks about it as well. I'm going to read Hebrews 5.12. It says, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. So inviting them, what he's calling them to is that like they've gotten lazy in their faith and, and have gotten to where they've forgotten the goodness. And it says, instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. That hurts. That's a challenge. That is difficult. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. My hope is that I never get to that point, that I'm continually hungering. I know there's been seasons in my life where I've just gotten lazy in my faith and, and, and have just gone back to basically milk and instead of moving towards this goodness that God invites us to. And so I want to ask this question, are we hungry for God's truth and his ways in our lives? Do we seek out a handful of believers that are in our lives uh, to hold us accountable? And are we vulnerable enough, open enough, honest enough to share the challenges so that we might grow and discover more of what it means to experience 
this goodness that God invites us into? And do you hunger to be more loving, to be more kind, more gracious, more hope-filled, more generous each day? Do you hunger for that? That's what he's inviting them to, into. The spiritual milk that he says, do we crave it? Do we crave that? Like we did chocolate milk as a kid as we sat there in the, at the counter and looked into the glass and said, oh, I want the chocolate milk. All these other things, not so much. The chocolate milk is what I crave. It's what I want. And so we're going to take communion this week uh, just as a reminder of tasting God's goodness because that's the ultimate invitation that we have here. So I wanna close with this. If you have crackers at home, it doesn't really matter what kind. If you have some bread, um, the point is not to make a sandwich, it's to be a reminder of Jesus's body broken for you. And if you have some juice, grab some grape juice, um, take that and, uh, and just pour it in a cup and take a sip and take the bread as a reminder of Jesus' body broken for us, that we may have new life. His blood poured out, that we no longer have to face the consequences of sin, that we no longer have to live in a life of sin, that we can now live into a free life that Jesus has paid the price for, that we can taste that goodness. And communion is tasting that goodness. It's tasting that reminder that he has set us free by his body, by his life, by the resurrection, we are set free. And so take communion as an invitation to go back to that reconciling work that Jesus is doing in our lives. So grace and peace to you as you take communion. If you wanna come join us on Sunday, we're gonna be here in the building uh, taking communion together at the end of the service. If you want to come and take communion with us, we'd love to have you come join us. So grace and peace to you as you live into this. Let's go and let's crave this goodness of God. Amen. Rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of each day. Amen.